Say, Eve was framed. <laughs> Eve was framed. <laughs> we're going to do a... Uh, we're going to do some messages in the month of June called cow tipping. Say cow tipping. Yeah. You know what cow tipping is? Somewhat legendary exercise in stupidity. Uh, yeah, uh, very well known to the Midwestern parts of this country where supposedly the, the, uh, the, the, the story goes that teenagers go out at night and shove over sleeping cows. Now, it's, it's kind of like some things you, you only hear about, but nobody's ever uh, really fessed up to doing anything like that. But uh, it's kind of a little um, play on uh, Charles Capp's book that he wrote uh, many years ago called Kicking Over Sacred Cows. What are sacred cows? You ever been to India? Who's been to India? Who's going to India this summer? Lovely this time of year, I'm told. Well, in India, I was reading up on this a little bit on, on that there internet, that uh, they're, they're having a real, a real problem in India with the, the cows, the cattle. The, um, um, what do you call them? The feral cattle population. Feral is, is domesticated animals that have become wild. And there are so many feral cows in, in India right now that they're becoming very destructive. They just kind of run wild all over the country. Now, in India, the dominant religion is... Hinduism, which practices reincarnation. And so they think that when you die, if you don't live right, you come back as a lesser being, like a bug or a, you know, a cow. So they won't, they won't kill those cows for food, even though there's a billion people in India, and there's a, there's a lot of them, are, you know, there's not a lot of fat people in India. You know, if you, if you see any pictures of the population in India, most of them are very slender people. A lot of, a lot of in, in most parts of the country, now there are some very wealthy people in India, but that's a very small sliver of the population. Most of the one billion people in India live in abject poverty. In uh, um, Bombay, I believe it is, something like two million people live on the streets. Think about that. Uh, I had a friend that went to India. I'm, I'm just saying what they said. They went to India. When you got off the plane, it, it's like you got slapped in the face with a wet diaper. I mean, there's one billion people, and it's not that big of a country. And the poverty, because of their religion, Hinduism breeds poverty. It has a caste system that you can't get out of in this life. And so you, you're not allowed to kill the cows, which could nourish millions of people, because that might be your ancestor. So they let them run wild through the streets, even in the cities. Well, we're going to slaughter some of these, these sacred cows. In Christianity, we have sacred cows as well. And uh, I got kind of the big four uh, that are basically misinterpretations of a couple of Bible verses that churches and denominations have made dogma out of. And the one I'm picking on today is simply that it was Eve's fault that mankind fell. Even if you read some of these translations, which are really 
paraphrases, it makes it look like it was all Eve's fault. I got to tell you, that's absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now this is, in the second chapter of Genesis, there's no woman yet. Are you following me? The woman didn't come till a few verses later. He put the man in the garden to do two things. To work and to guard it. To work and to guard it. What's the man's job? Anybody? Anybody? Any of the girls that are listening today? What was the man's job? Anybody? Any of the girls that are listening today? To number one was to do what? Order her around? Get his way? Make her do stuff? I thought I'm, she's supposed to serve me all the days of my life. That is not a Christian attitude, fellas. <laughs> and you know, you go to some churches, and that's kind of the attitude you got, that women are second-class citizens, and you, if you want to go to heaven, girls, all you got to do is just lay down and let him walk all over you, and then you get to heaven. Cindy, don't let me walk all over her. Just because I'm twice her size, don't me. Amen. That's a puny man that takes advantage of his size, huh? And says, you're going to do what I tell you to do. I tell you what, it's a lot sweeter home if I can get her to cooperate with me than, get her, than it is if I could just dominate her because I'm bigger and louder, got bigger teeth, more armpit hair, huh? Can you say amen? <laughs> yes, we've measured. I have more armpit hair than she does. <laughs> she just told me to stop. You know, when I asked her, I said, can I go do this? Can I go fishing? Can I go buy a new fishing pole? Can I go do, get a new boat or an ATV or something? You know what she says? We'll see. <laughs> you know what we'll see means? Shut up, fool. <laughs> Cindy is my equal. Amen. The Lord God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Next, please. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that you eat that tree, boy, you're going to die. Now, where was the woman when he said this? She was still in him. This commandment was given to who? who any, any of the girls that are listening? Listen, I'm trying to set you free, young ladies. I'm, I'm doing the best. Listen, God has sent me here to help you because this culture wants you to believe that Jesus and the Bible and church and Christianity is for loser women only. And if you really want to be free, go out there and be yourself and get yourself liberated and all of this here. If you want to be free, serve God. And then learn one of the biggest words that, amen, I mean, you, woman, you want me to empower you? I will empower you, women. I'm going to teach you one word that will empower you. I said empower you. 
That is the word no. When that fool says, will you go with me to blah, 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 and you know that's not the one you're supposed to be with, right. tell him no. And if you got to use a little bit of backwoods language so he gets the message, use it, say, uh-uh, no. Get him off you. Stop calling me, fool. Block the call. Unfriend him. Unfollow him. I said he does not love you. I said he is incapable of loving you. Boy, it's quiet in here. I wish I had some more amens. He told the man. These are the rules. So who is he holding responsible? Next, please. And the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I'm going to make him a help meet for him. Now, if you will bear with me, I brought my chumash today, which has the teeniest, tiniest print of any book I've ever seen in my lifetime. The Hebrew sages say that a helper corresponding to him. Listen carefully, please. You're not going to hear this in no other church. I've been in church my whole life. I've never heard what I'm going to teach you in church today. If a man is worthy, the woman will be a helper. If he is unworthy, she will be against him. You know, I have a dear friend, man I've do, done business with for many years. He's in his 70s. His wife just passed away. They had 45 years of happy marriage. He's very wealthy, very well off, very healthy, you know, well, I mean, just a happy old guy, you know. And he told me, he said, I learned one thing about marriage. He said, when we had a disagreement, I don't, as far as I know, he's not a Christian. He might be, I don't know. I've never had that conversation with him. It's a business association. Every time we had a disagreement, he said, I was wrong. I said, sir, please don't tell guys stuff like that. Please don't, don't tell the women that. <laughs> Because they'll, they'll t so, well, remember that friend of yours, every time we have a disagreement, remember, you're wrong. <laughs> Listen, I'm empowering you. Now, he may go a little bit too far, but he may be right. He said every time in 45 years of marriage that we had a disagreement, she was right and I was wrong. He said, I learned that early on. And so when we had a disagreement later on in marriage, he said, I just decided to give in to her. Because God did not, men, listen to me. God did not give you a woman that is a fool to help you through life. God gave you a woman that can see things you couldn't see no matter what. There's no way you can see through her eyes. You do not have her perspective. Never, ever in a million years will you have her perspective. Eve was framed. Many have noted that the ideal marriage is not necessarily one of total agreement in all matters. <laughs> Let them words soak in a little bit. Ladies, you're not supposed to agree with every darn fool idea he comes up with. 
If he says, I think we should leave this church because I don't like Brian, say, shut up, fool. We'll see. <laughs> Tell him. We'll see. <laughs> Amen. Listen, don't, don't, ever, don't ever go to church or leave a church for personal reasons. You will miss God 100% of the time if you attend a church or you quit a church for personal reasons. You're guaranteed to miss God. And men, if, if the men had been listening to their wives, there'd be a lot of people in church today that ain't. Don't ever go to a church or quit a church for personal reasons. And there'd be a lot of people in church today Families, couples, if the men had listened to their wives. <laughs> amen, 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 amen. Father's Day is coming up. We may teach the other side of this a little bit. There's some men that, you know, if they'd have stood up to their wives, they'd be in church today. You know, guys are afraid to stand up to their wives. It's amazing. I mean, like I say, I'm, I'm two or three times bigger than her. I was doing a little bit of laundry the other day. You know, I take my pants out and just, you know, fold them all up, right? I pulled out some little kids' pants out of the dryer. I'm like, who, who, whose little kids' pants is this? She says, that's mine. I said, what are you, like a little kid? What? Domineering men. Yeah, it, 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 men are afraid to stand up to their wives. You want me to give you a perfect example? Secret spending. I'm going to go buy this because I deserve this, because I want this, and I'm going to tell her about it. You're a chicken. If we go out in the parking lot, I'll finish the rest of that adjective. That's cowardly. I told my wife, I, I, I tried to bamboozle her a little bit. I said, look at this here buggy. I want to buy the, one of these buggies here. She says, buggy, huh? <laughs> it's a, it's a $22,000 buggy. She said, all right, fool. Shut up. We'll see. <laughs> Diamond ring in the buggy. Okay, all right. <laughs> Many have noted that the ideal marriage is not necessarily one of total agreement in all matters. Often it is the wife's responsibility. These are the Hebrew sages. This is thousands of years of Jewish wisdom. Often it is the wife's responsibility to oppose her husband and prevent him from acting rashly or to help him achieve a common course by questioning, criticizing, and discussing. Now, girls, don't get crazy. But you have every right to calmly stand up to him and say, I think that's a dumb idea. If you don't do it, who will? That's right. Cindy does this with me all the time. And I'm like my friend. I'm learning. I said I'm learning that when she disagrees with me, 
a lot of times, I'm not going to say every time, a lot of times, she's right. And I'm, I'm, I'm I, she's right, and I'm, I, what? I'm wrong. <laughs> I know it's hard to imagine that I could be wrong, right? But it does happen. I remember a time in 1993, I think it was. Just kidding. No, I'm, I'm wrong frequently. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Guys, you've got to have a woman that you're not afraid to have her disagree with you. I'm not talking about having a household full of strife. We've got to learn that when we have disagreements, that don't mean it's the end of the road, friends. Come on. Come on. You know, sometimes our problem is we're so lousy at conflict uh, management. We're just lousy at it. I mean, we blow up over every stoop, stupid little thing. And we don't know how to get back. You know what my dad used to say? Take life seriously. But don't take yourself so darn seriously. Don't take every little disagreement so seriously. It's not the end of the world. I know it feels like it when you're in it. Go by faith, not by feelings. Right. Say amen. That's good teaching right there, amen. That'll work. That'll work on the streets. That'll work late at night when somebody's getting ready to call 911. <laughs> Often, it is the wife's responsibility to oppose her husband, preventing from acting rashly. Thus, the verse means literally that there are times a wife can uh, best be a helper by being against him. I know some husbands and wives that would have been a lot more successful if instead of giving in at every crossroads, the wife had said, I think that's a stupid idea. You're doing what? With whom? When and where? And I'm just supposed to go along with this? Oh, no, but the Bible says you're supposed to be submissive. It doesn't say you're supposed to be stupid. Men, God did not give you a stupid woman. Eve was framed. Eve was framed. This is a cow. I mean, let's take it. It's a sacred cow. Let's, I mean, just chop off a big old hunk of it and throw it on the barbecue. Amen? Come on, girls. Come on. I'm for you. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept and he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh instead thereof. You might say he took a cell from his body and cloned Adam and came out with the woman. I mean, I don't have a lot to go on there, but why not? Next, please. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. And they two shall be one flesh. That doesn't mean you absolutely got to move to the other side of the universe. But it does mean, men, that your wife should be more influential in your life than your mother. Amen, Amen. Amen preacher. That's good preaching. Amen. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Now the serpent, I'm in chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, yeah, did God really say uh, you can't eat from every tree in the garden here? Is that really what he said? Really? <laughs> you poor thing. 
you poor little darling. I feel sorry for you. Don't ever feel sorry for yourself. Don't ever yield to the demonic, satanic temptation that you ain't got enough. You got a lot. Come with me to Hooper Bay, Alaska if you don't believe it. Let's go to India sometime if you want to see abject poverty. We take things for granted that most people on earth have never heard of, like lawns, hot water to bathe in, indoor porcelain. You poor thing. God's a holding out on you. Well, I think you could do better off maybe just kind of, you know, kind of making your own way. After all, you got skills, you got talent, you got good looks. Look at you. That's satanic. Next, please. <laughs> and the woman said to the serpent, We, yeah, we can eat from uh, the fruit of the trees of the garden. Next verse. But of the tree, the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now what did she do here? If you've read your Bible, what did she do right here in this verse? She, anybody. She added something. God didn't say you can't touch it. Now where do you think she got that? I've always just assumed that she made that up. But I think there's a much simpler answer. I think Adam told her that. Because he was trying to protect her. He was adding another layer of protection. Honey, now, God said, don't eat that and, and, and don't touch it. Don't even touch it. She thought this is what the word of God was. She clearly believes that if you touch that, you will die. She believed that because she probably heard that from Adam. I'm just submitting that to you. If you think that's heresy, that's fine. Write me a letter. Send me an email. Whatever. I think Adam told her that, did he? and he was trying to protect her. A lot of times we use fear to try to protect our loved ones. A lot of times we think Fear will protect our marriages. That's why we check each other's phones. If you're checking your spouse's phone, you're in trouble. <laughs> Boy, it's quiet in here, man. I don't even go near that purse without permission. I'm like, Cindy, I think, uh, <laughs> I think my keys are in your purse. <laughs> we have never checked each other's phones to see if we got something going on. Say amen. amen. I'm not saying we're better than anybody else, but I am not afraid of her going out on me. Why would I be? You ain't going to get nothing better, amen. <laughs> That's the way you should feel before you step up to the altar and say, I do. 
You should believe in your heart. This is the best you ever going to get, sucker. <laughs> what? <laughs> you better toe the line. Girls, amen. Right. Don't give yourself away to some fool. I said, don't give yourself away to some fool. Let me tell you what the greatest aphrodisiac in the world is. Let me see. If, I'm going to say that. Do you want to know what the greatest aphrodisiac in the world is? Abstinence. <laughs> if you don't know what any of that means, check with me later. I'll help you. She, she believed that if you touch that, you die. Next verse, please. And the serpent said to the woman, yeah, you ain't going to die. Come on. Come on, woman. What? For God knows that the day you eat that, your eyes will be open. You shall be like God's. They were already just like God. Knowing good and evil. Next. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, so see, she, she, she believes that if she touches it, it will kill her, but she looks at it, and it's beautiful, so there's a conflict in her heart. I mean, if you, if you are hungry, and mama brings a mess of food out there, right, and it looks good, and the steam's coming off of it, and tacos, and enchiladas, and enchiladas, and tostadas, and Am I getting hungry? <laughs> Low-carb tortillas. You look at that, it looks appealing to the eye. That's the way you're made. Then you start salivating. Oh, boy, let's hurry up and pray. Let's pray real fast. <laughs> like you say, man, it looked good. So how could it be bad? And a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took. So now she touched it. And what happened? She touched it. What happened? Nothing. So was Adam's warning, don't ever touch it? Did that help her? No. It made it easier for her to fall. Now, I've never heard another preacher say that Adam told her that, but I think it's the simplest explanation. She took of the fruit, she did eat, and she gave it all to her husband when he came home from work that night. She had to go looking for him all over the garden. She's hollering and looking for him. Adam, where are you? I got something to eat. Is that what happened? Is that what it says? She took an eight and did what? Here, I'll take a bite, you take a bite. I'll take a bite, you take a bite. He's standing right there like a big dummy. Why? I don't know. But this is when he should have stood up and said, uh-uh, no. Mm -mm. Any, anything, Adam, please, this is your moment. Say something. Next, please. The eyes of them both were open. They saw that they were naked, and they tried to solve life's problems, you know, through stupidity. It didn't work, did it? Let's take a look here at 1 Timothy chapter 2. The apostle writes to us and says, I want men to pray everywhere. Who? Who's responsible? Men. 
You know, you go to church and mainly what you got is women. Right? There's, there's a handful. I'm counting one, two, three, four, five. Am I, am I missing anybody? We've only got 500 men in here. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube. You go to church, it's mainly women and children. Why do you think that is, Katie? Come on, say what you really think. Galila, why do you think that is? Mm -hmm. Maybe they're not listening. Could it be that women are more sensitive to spiritual things? More receptive to the Word of God, more receptive to the Spirit of God? Could it be that women are just more submitted to God in general? I mean, most of your prisons are full of what? Men. Could it be that men are not heads? <laughs> Is it possible? <laughs> Is it within the realm of possibility? God puts the responsibility on men first of all. If the culture fails, it will be a, a failure of manhood. If this church fails, it'll be because I failed, not because she failed. If my business fails, it'll not be her fault. It'll be my fault. If I make an idiot out of myself at the next family gathering, whose fault is that? <laughs> well, it's quiet in here. I will, therefore, <laughs> thank you. What are you doing after church? I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Now, he's writing to Timothy. Paul is writing to Timothy, who is the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And I just believe that in everything that he tells Timothy, he's talking about how to conduct yourself in the house of God. And he says so in his writings. I'm te teaching you how to run church. This is important. This is key. This is not necessarily means that when you're working a job and you're on the production line, men, that you're supposed to be having your hands up worshiping God. And the product is coming down the conveyor belt and you're supposed to be fastening your widgets and you can't because you have your hands up because the Bible says so. No. It's talking about within appropriate guidelines. Amen. Churches are, Christians are not supposed to be fools in public. You're supposed to live a kind of a life that makes people want to go to your church. You're not supposed to be the kind of a Christian that, that makes people in public cringe. Amen. You're supposed to come off, you know, with some savoir faire to you. Amen. When I go into a place of business, I'm recognized in the places that I go. I'm respected. Is that right, Michael? I'm respected. I'm known on a first-name basis. They know I pay my bills. They know I'm easy to get along with. If there's a return or a problem with a product or a service, that I'm a businessman, I, I don't have a meltdown, right? Amen? Just, men, you're supposed to have a solid reputation in the business world. Women, too. All right, so, so in that context, he's talking about, not necessarily about public content. He's not talking about public conduct. He's talking about mainly church conduct in these verses here. Are you with me, sister? Are you with me? Are you following me? You got to listen carefully. I got to teach you now. 
Go back one verse so I can just make, tie this all up. I want fellas to pray everywhere, lifting holy hands. Amen. And the opposite is when you come to church, don't come in with anger, wrath, and being a domineering knothead. Next, please. Verse 9. In the like manner also. He says, just like the men are supposed to be submissive to God. I'm asking the women to adorn themselves with modest apparel, with, and here's some delicious Elizabethan King James English, with shamefacedness and sobriety. That means the opposite of... <laughs> Can I say that? It's the opposite of looking like a streetwalker in church. Come on. That's what he's talking about. He doesn't say you can't wear makeup. If it makes you look better, fine. Go for it. <laughs> but we don't got to look like, right, somebody that's getting arrested on cops or something. Not with broided hair, gold, or pearls, or costly array. He says the main way, way that I want women to adorn themselves is not with the outward appearance. Next verse, please. But with the inward appearance, with good works, do beautiful things, and you beautify yourself by doing beautiful things, women. Can you say amen? amen. Do what's right when the pressure's on. When you're, under, when you're under pressure, when you're facing trouble at home, when your husband is being a difficult individual, be beautiful by being strong and staying in faith. Amen. Now, he, now here's some very, very politically incorrect verses. I'm not going to avoid them. I'm not going to avoid them. But I'm going to help you understand it. It says, let the woman, that word is a Greek word, that we get the, uh, uh, the English word gynecology from. G-Y-N-E is the transliteration. Gune or something like that in Greek. This woman, <clears throat> excuse me, this word is translated the first six or eight times in the New Testament as wife. And why it's translated woman here, I couldn't begin to tell you. It should be translated wife. Keep that in mind. Let the wife... Learn in silence with all subjection. That doesn't mean women can't ever talk. Obviously. Now, in the culture, i got to get through this. Can we get through this together? In the culture, at that time, the church was divided. You had the women on this side, the men on this side, and sometimes they had actually a partition in there. So they couldn't look at each other. Instead of the woman hollering at old Jim, where's that in the Bible? He says, just be quiet, and we'll talk about it after. That's what he's saying. He doesn't say that women cannot teach. I can show you verse after verse where Paul says women are legitimate ministers that can teach and preach. Next, please. But I suffer not a wife. I don't allow a wife. That doesn't mean I don't allow a woman. Because Paul put women in places of authority in the church. And I got verses here. I'm, not, I'm out of time. I'm not going to be able to get to them. But he says, I want you fellas to help these women 
that I have appointed over departments of the local church. Same thing here. I've got Rebecca in charge of music department. I expect every man that comes in this church to submit to her authority because it's my authority. He's like, I don't like submitting to some woman. Well, go find you another hangout, bro. Same thing with Katie. Katie manages the, the, uh, our, our in-house duties here. I expect the, the men that help me here to, to check in with Katie and say, where does this go? What do you want me to do? Aren't you glad we'd have to break down for two months? Isn't that nifty? Isn't that cool? Help Rebecca. Help Katie. Help Cindy. Help Michelle. I'm asking the men to do that. There's some submission there that I'm requiring, that God is requiring. Amen. And I don't mean do it with a snot-nosed attitude either. Okay, all right, Rebecca, what do you want me to do now? How about go home? Go find another hangout. So he's not saying I don't allow a woman to teach. I do allow women to teach. Paul did too. I don't allow a wife to domineer her husband is what this is saying. What about Joyce Meyer and Dave Meyer? She does all the teaching. Brother, do you really think that, that they get home and Joyce smacks him around? From what, I've been watching her, listening to her for 30 years. She's submitted to that man. But you know, guys, you've got to give her something to submit to. Guys, we can't be a first-class moron and expect and say, you better submit to me after all, I'm the man. If that's all you got to go on, brother, man, you, 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 you coming up short. Next, please. <clears throat> and the reason for this is the biblical divine order, verse 13, because Adam was formed first, therefore the requirement of authority was on his head, not on hers. Adam was not deceived, but the woman, her sin was being deceived. The man was not deceived. That's why his sin was treason. Are you listening to me? I'm almost done. She screwed up, yeah, but his sin was much more serious. Next verse, please. All right, here we go. This is a tough one. I've wrestled with this one. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. And I thought about some women that have, that have never had any children. I thought, man, how am I supposed to teach this in the church and not hurt somebody? He's talking about Eve. Because through Eve came the seed. And through that seed, she was, was restored to her pristine place of authority and equality with the man. It's like I heard Jesse DePlantis talking about, you know, he said he saw a woman, I don't know whether in church or what, but she was all concerned about her stretch marks because she'd had kids. And he said, I celebrate those stretch marks. You're the life giver. You should be proud of those marks. You're the life, you're the one that brought life. A man can't do that. Amen. And on many levels, a man can't do that. A man ain't got what it takes. 
to go through that. And God says she is restored to a place of equal authority with any man on earth because of this unique quality and gifting. Amen, 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 amen. Amen, amen, amen. If she lives by faith, hope, and love. Isn't that what it says?